Thank you. Thanks, team, for leading us into the presence of God this morning. Wonderful songs of worship and really meaningful words that God's brought into our attention today to focus us as we move in the service today. Do you know the difference between a dream and a vision? How do you know if it really is God speaking to you? And how do you prepare yourself to hear more of God's instructions and living word in your life right now where you live? Well, as you've heard, the church women have been together with other women from other churches over the weekend just hearing, uh, um, going through a seminar called God Conversations with our wonderful Tanya Harris here. It's been an amazing time for us. We've learned heaps. We really appreciate it. But we decided not to keep this hidden treasure just to the woman of the fellowship, but to open it up today so that the rest of the church could also hear what God has been doing and saying through Tanya. So... Who is Tanya Harris? Well, Tanya has 20 years of ministry behind her. She's been involved in mission. We heard um, over the weekend that she's a young person when she was 21. Not that she's not young now, but when she was 21, she went out on a mission with Whitcliffe Bible Translators. She also worked with the homeless in in, um, Melbourne. She's been a church planter. She's gone out and planted churches of her own. She's been the academic dean at Hillsong um, Bible School. And for the last six years, she's felt God narrow her ministry to a particular focus, which is to equip the church to hear God speaking, so that it's not a one-way conversation with us just chattering and talking to God, but we actually hear what he's saying back to us, which is really exciting. So this, this journey in the last six years has taken Tanya to many places of the world. Even just over the weekend, it's been exciting. We had a contact with somebody here from India on our first night who's taking back some of her material to India. She's off to Switzerland in um, six weeks. And uh, doors are opening. She's meeting up with the Anglican Church um, in Wellington. They're really interested in her ministry and introducing it to the Anglican Church. So... What else do we know about her? Well, she's an Australian, but we've forgiven her for that, yes. And for those amongst you who find it interesting, she comes from good brethren stock with a sound theological background. She's a past teacher. She's, um, by profession, she's a teacher. She taught PE at a um, a private school in days gone by. And what we've discovered is she's a very active lady. She goes power walking. She's she's a runner. She's a skier. And I would imagine at some stage she's going to run at least one marathon. And she's real fun to have around. But, you know, most of all, oh, I've forgotten one very important thing which you'll want to know. Tanya is single. (laughs) Not by choice, but by design for this season of her life. And this is an exciting um, chapter as God is working through many seasons of her life. She breaks many molds. But here, this morning, I would like to just introduce, and I would love you to give a warm welcome for the greatest characteristic is she's a a passionate follower of Jesus. And she's come today to teach us, open your hearts, open your minds. It's going to be a good session. (laughs) Golly. Who is this woman? <laughs> she sounds very impressive. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had in my whole time. Good morning, Upper Hutt Christian Fellowship. How are you this morning? You doing well? I was 26 years old 
and I was standing on a football field at a school where I was teaching and I was teaching my 12-year-old students how to do a torpedo kick. Now, I'm well aware that some Kiwis don't know how to do a torpedo kick because you play another aberration of football over here. I don't quite understand how it works, but I know that it involves a lot of brute force. In Melbourne, where the true birth of football began, it's called AFL. It's much more elegant than that lower baser form that is practised in this country. However, I was teach. Do you have a torpedo kick in rugby? No. Yes? Who thinks yes? <laughs> who thinks no? <laughs> okay, for those of you who do not know, a torpedo kick is quite difficult. It's very technical. And the idea with a torpedo kick is that it needs to spin like a... Right, and so therefore you must angle it by your foot so that it spins like a... I used to get it in about one in three times. The other two times, that rather than looking like a... It looked more like a banana, thank you. We call them banana kicks, correct. So at this particular time, in order to avoid definite humiliation, I do the trick that every teacher uses on the sly, and that is to say to my 12-year-old enthusiastic little students, who here would like to demonstrate a torpedo kick? And then I would be saved forever. I remember standing on that football th field thinking, is this what I'm called to do for the rest of my life? Because secretly, between you and me, I'm not that great at kicking footballs. And that prayer led to a conversation that led me into ministry, something that I never thought that I would be doing. But it has been a wild ride. In fact, I've learnt since that day that God has a plan for every single one of our lives that is good it's for purpose, it's for meaning, and it's something that we're really going to enjoy. And I love what I do. I get to equip people to hear God's voice. It's pretty good, isn't it? Hands up if you were here over the weekend with our ladies. Isn't that awesome? How did the men cope? Are you okay? Did you make the lunch? Do the housework? Isn't that right, Peter? Peter wants you to know that he did the dishes here yesterday, and so we all need to give him a big hand because he was one of the honorary team members. He didn't quite fit the criteria, which was that you had to be a woman, but he's almost got his dishwashing skills up to scratch. I've got the microphone now. <laughs> you put the microphone down. We had an awesome day, and um, I really pray that the things that we've learnt have been helpful to you. I've been welcomed beautifully into your community, and I just love this church. Heard a little about the history. I said to Kerry and Peter this morning, um, I haven't even seen Upper Hut yet, and I was expecting that I would get a bit of a tourist ride to go and see the, the hut, like the high hut, and then there must be a low hut, I figured, in the mountains somewhere. But um, it's great to be here with you. It's great to meet your founder, Hudson, and his lovely wife and see what the church is doing here. Exciting days ahead in the life of Upper Hutt Christian Fellowship. But if you happen to miss out yesterday, you didn't get to be at the seminar, or perhaps you're a man. Sorry about that. Um, we, <laughs> we have some things. You don't really have to miss out. I've got some resources for you, some teaching messages and some materials up the back. As um, Bruce said, there's a little card on your seat with some freebies, including a new e-book I've just released. But this message is called, How Do I Know It's God? 
and it's available. We, some of the stuff that we covered yesterday, it's available up the back and it's also available for the high-tech people amongst you because this is like the old-fashioned method, this CD here. Look at this because in about 10 years' time it will be obsolete. But for all those high-techies, I have an MP3 available that you can download on iTunes. Is there anyone here that would have loved to have been here yesterday but you weren't able to for obvious reasons? Who would love to be able to hear that? <laughs> would you? <laughs> Peter. MP3 or CD? CD, first hand up. You've got to be in it. There we go. There's also a couple of other messages on God speaking in dreams, which, as I said to the ladies, is my funnest method of hearing God's voice. Can you guess why? Because you get to sleep. It's awesome. We also have a couple of these left, which is a teaching series, a video teaching series, which is on Shine TV at the moment. Has anyone seen, seen it on Shine TV? And that's available as a, as a Bible. What's well, so funny? <laughs> Why are you laughing, Sarah? Oh, I'm going to pay for this one. This, one, this one's expensive. Um, if you want to do a Bible study, I'm a bit of a Bible girl. It was a bit of a you know, throwback from my brethren days. <laughs> um, but there's a Bible study in there that you can do as well. There's one or two of these left or you can put them on order to come from Australia. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about a famous um, person that you may have heard of in the Bible and how he heard from God. But before we do that, I'd like to pray. Thanks, Lord, that your spirit is present with us. Thank you, Father, that our each day is a gift from you. Lord, this morning we just want to offer again our lives to you. Invite you to come and speak to us this morning. And Father, we think of Yannicka who's passed from us, Lord, a life that so beautifully lived in your presence. And God, we want to be inspired by a life that's lived well to your glory. Lord, as we sit here this morning, we thank you for this day that you have made. And God, we dedicate it to you. We dedicate our again, our fresh, our lives to you. We want to follow the example that's been set before us by people who have gone before and who've lived the God life, fully dedicated, committed to your purposes. We want to hear from you this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. It was the year 2000. I was asked along with another person to go in and look after a church. Well, it wasn't really a church. It was a church that kind of died. Been going for a while and as a result of a lot of conflict and problems, the church had pretty much died. And a colleague and I were asked to go in for three months and do a kind of a reconnaissance and kind of check it out to, get, to then bring some recommendations about whether we should close it down or started up as a new church. So Alan and I went there on our first Sunday to see what it would be like. I remember the very first day we walked in and it was in an old Uniting Church building. It looked fairly dilapidated from the outside. I remember going up the stairs and there was a woman there and she was doing her Sunday roster duty, which was sweeping up the pigeon droppings all on the stairs. We said hello. We walked into the building the first thing you noticed, it was very dark and your eyes had to adjust to the light. You came in into the sanctuary area and as your eyes began to adjust, you first got hit by that musty smell when you go into old buildings. I looked around 
there were wooden pews. There were about five people sitting in the church. One was sitting here, one was sitting there, one was sitting there, furthest apart they could possibly be at. I looked over at the walls and I saw that there were some unusual artworks on the wall. They were works from the local community, which was a great idea, except the local community was St Kilda. If you know anything about St Kilda, you know that it's the red light district of Melbourne, a very eclectic community. So on the wall there were these paintings and most of them had pictures of tortured, bleeding faces. Over in the corner was a big pile of musty bean bags, dusty and smelly. Underneath them were all sorts of things that you didn't want to look at in church particularly. I looked over at the overhead projector, run down, old. And I was preaching that day. And I stood up there and said, God wants to do something new. It's a new season. The five people sitting there just sat there. The end of the service, we invited them out for coffee, but they didn't want to come. But I did hear that there was more people in the church. I figured maybe it was a public holiday that weekend and people were away. So we thought, okay, there's more people on the mailing list, so we'll ring them up and see where they are. Hi, it's Tanya. We're looking after the church for a little while. Oh, no, that church. We don't go to that church. I haven't been there for ages. Okay, (laughs) thanks. Thanks very much. But there's more people on the list, so we'll keep going down the list one by one. Hello? Oh, no, no, we don't go to that church. Oh, no, no, no. We never did see anyone from the mailing list. But still, we had five people. Five people. Awesome. They weren't exactly your dream team. (laughs) One of them had just tried to commit suicide. One of them was suffering from depression. One of them was the source of our top agenda item on our first leadership team meeting. What were we going to do with his body odour? Because as soon as you walked into the, the hall, it hit you really hard. He had a bit of a disease that caused a foul stench. And if it wasn't that bad, you know, the other thing that he used to do was he used to fall asleep in the middle of my sermons, which wouldn't have been so bad, except that he was a very large man and we had wooden floors. And when he did fall asleep, he would snore. And the snoring would go into the floor and kind of reverberate (laughs) through the floor. So while you were there coughing from the stench, you also had the sound. And it was St Kilda. And sometimes strange things happen in St Kilda. People would come in off the street and they would be half drunk. And if they weren't drunk, they were high on something else, such that we would have people coming in. This one particular guy came to visit quite a bit, and during my sermons, he would come in and hand out carnations. It's a nice thing to do. It's good. But, you know, surely it would still be okay. I'd heard that they had equipment. And every church needs equipment, right? So I went to check out all the church equipment. Apparently it was in a storage unit, so I thought, great, we'll go and see what's there. And I remember going into the building and opening up the door and go, wow, like there's photocopies and computers and desk chairs and, and, and office furniture. This is awesome. So I began to pull it apart and I began to plug things in. Photocopy was broken. Computer didn't work. The desk chair had three legs. By the time I got through the whole of the storage unit, there's only a couple of things 
working. One was the spotlight, which we didn't have anyone to shine it on anyway. <laughs> the other was a drum kit. Awesome, a big fire, red, a fire engine red drum kit. Awesome. Every church needs a drum kit, right? The only problem was that um, the drum kit was so good that it was worth a few thousand dollars and the church was in debt, quite a few thousand dollars. So we had to sell the drum kit to cover the debt. So we had no money, no team, no support. And the other thing, a minor little detail, was the fact that I'd never led a church before. So I'm thinking, I don't know if this is a really good idea. For starters, this is St Kilda. St Kilda, all sorts of strange things happen. People call you at 1am and ask you for pastoral care. And I wondered if it was pastoral care that they wanted. <laughs> I was wondering really if this was a great thing to do. You know what, in the end, I decided to recommend that the church should be taken and that I was going to lead it. Why would I do that? You know, everyone I spoke to, everyone who saw the situation said, this is a really bad situation. There was no resources, no support, no money. It was a terrible situation. Why would anyone want to take this on? You're crazy. It's a stupid thing to do. My senior pastor who first gave it to me said oh, she wouldn't give it to her worst enemy. <laughs> the reason why I took it on and I replanted it as a new church was for one reason and one reason only and that was because God had spoken. God had spoken. And sometimes God asks us to do things that are impossible. Which of course begs the question, how did I know it was God? Because every other indicator said this was not a good idea. This was not wisdom. This was not common sense. Do the sums. But God had spoken. See, there are many times in the Bible where God speaks to people. Have you noticed that? And usually when he speaks, it's a little bit crazy. Have you noticed that? God asks things that are impossible. He says things that require supernatural power. He tells people to do things like build an ark, <laughs> go into battle when they can't. He says to people who are barren, you're going to have a child. He says walk on water when all the physics <laughs> say you can't walk on water. That's called water skiing and you need skis and a speedboat. But when God speaks, he sometimes speaks to us about things we can't do. And I want to talk about a person this morning who God spoke to. And when God spoke to Gideon, he asked him to do something that was a little bit crazy. He asked him to do something that was a little bit impossible. I don't know if you've ever read the story of Gideon. His story is found in Judges chapter 6 and verse 7. We're not going to read the whole thing. But it was a time of the judges. It's a time when the Israelite tribes didn't have a central leader. There was no king. It was a tribal life. And what would happen is they would often go through times of crisis. And when they did, God rose up a person who would lead them through the crisis. And it was at a time 
in around between 800-1200 BC. And in this particular occasion, the Israelites were under attack by the Midianites and a lot of other neighbouring tribes. The Midianites had already invaded Israel, already taken and stolen from, they'd already killed off some of their livestock, they'd pushed them out of their land. And the, basically the nation is under threat. And it's at this point that God comes to a man called Gideon and he speaks to him. And he asks him to lead the nation out of trouble. The problem is that Gideon is not a very good choice. He's not really good at this stuff. He is the least in his tribe. He's a bit of the runt of the pack. He's not the likely one that you would choose. Yet God chooses him. And I can imagine how Gideon felt trying to face this conversation that he just had with God about leading the people into battle. And he looks at himself and he realises that this is going to be pretty hard. But the least he can do is summon up as many troops as he can. And he puts the call out and 32,000 people come. And I imagine him sitting down and working out his battle strategy and lining up all his resources. He considered his weapons, considered the size of the army, thought about the battle plan and he thinks to himself, "Ah, do you know what? I think there might just be the slimmest chance that we could win this. Just, just maybe we could win this. Might be all right. And then God does something really weird. He looks at the situation and he realises that it's possible as well. So what does he do? He says, you know what, Gideon, the odds just may be a little bit in your favour. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to cut it down to 10,000. What? 10,000, God, are you kidding? We need 32,000. We've got 32,000 people here. Why would I just use 10,000 when I've got 32,000? And God says, no, I want you to use 10,000. So Gideon goes back to the drawing board. He checks out his Excel spreadsheets. He makes a tally of all the numbers. And he goes, oh, okay, we might just be able to do it with 10,000. God's watching. Hmm. He might just be able to do it in his own strength. You know what, Gideon? We're going to cut it down to 300. What? What's going on there? How did Gideon know that it was God speaking? See, God speaks to us. God is a talking God. He wants to talk to us about our lives. He wants to talk to us about our future. He wants to give us wisdom and advice and leadership about the things that we do. But when he speaks to us, sometimes it's hard to know if it's him, right? So what, what does he sound like? How can we be sure? For Gideon, this was pretty risky. He needed to know that it was God. Because if it wasn't, guess what? It was his life at stake. So I want to ask three questions as I think about Gideon's life. The first question is that we often ask is, what does God sound like? How does God speak? Well, if you have a look at the story of Gideon, God spoke to Gideon through an angel. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Anyone ever had an angel appear to you? No? Anyone at all? God spoke through an angel. We see this happen now and again in the Old Testament. Angels were seen to be messengers. They would carry a message from God. Often angels would come in the nighttime. They would come as a vision of the night. And messengers were given 
to, to communicate God's will to his people. Now in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, we may still get an angel appearing, but we're much more likely to get something else happening. Who is our messenger today? The Holy Spirit. See, in the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit was given to us. In fact, Jesus said to his disciples when he was on earth, he said, I'm going to leave you. What? You can't leave us. You're our leader. You're our God. And then Jesus says to them, no, don't you understand? It's better that I leave. Because when I leave, I can send you the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus was in his body, he was limited with the places he could go. He could go to the temple in Jerusalem. He could walk the path to Bethany. He could go to the shepherds in the fields. But now that he's left and he sent the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can go to Upper Hutt. The Holy Spirit can go to Wellington. The, the Holy Spirit can go in the car with you back home today. See, the Holy Spirit can go wherever you go. And he's been given to us to speak to us, to be with us. Jesus said that when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak what he hears and he will tell you what is to come. The Holy Spirit was given to us to speak to us about our lives. It's pretty cool, isn't it? We have our own messenger. The God who speaks to us. God is speaking to us. He may not speak via an angel, but he's speaking to us. And he wants to communicate his will and his purpose to us. But how do you know if it's God? You know, sometimes we look at those Old Testament characters and we think, oh, they had so easy. They, just, they seem to be just able to hear from God all the time. But here in this story of Gideon... I like this story because it shows us that sometimes they were scared to get it, about getting it wrong as well. We're, we're fearful of getting it wrong, aren't we? And, and Gideon feels it. In fact, he does a couple of little tests just to check that it really is God. Because for him, his life is at stake. The Old Testament characters struggle with getting it wrong. In fact, in Deuteronomy, God says... He's the one who says, but how do we know if a message is from God? And he gives people a couple of tests by which they can know. See, the truth is that sometimes it's risky to listen to God. Sometimes he says things that require a miracle to perform. But the beautiful thing is that he wants to make it clear to us. God wants to be heard. Jesus said that his people will be able to recognize his voice and then follow it. So if I look further at the story of Gideon, while he's contemplating what God is asking him to do, he's thinking about his 300 men, he's thinking about the fierce army, he's thinking about how scared he is and how doubtful he is and he's wondering to himself, is that from God or am I crazy? Look what happens. If you've got your Bible there, turn to Judges chapter 7, verse 9. Judges chapter 7, verse 9. And as we read this, I want you to think about God's heart. 
He knows us. He sees our fear. He sees our doubt. He sees our concern of getting it wrong. Look what he does for Gideon from verse 9, chapter 7, verse 9 to 15. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites and all the other eastern people had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. This was a difficult situation. This was a scary situation. Gideon arrived just as the man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called, up, called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Did you notice it? Gideon's fearful. He's scared that he might get it wrong. His life was at stake. And what does God do? God sees his fear and he says to Gideon, I'm going to show you it's me. Go down to the enemy camp. And he gives the enemy a dream about Gideon. It's a funny dream, isn't it? Dream of a, a speeding bread roll. But somehow they work out that it's Gideon. <laughs> and then what happens? And Gideon is encouraged. He gets up and he worships and he goes, come on, everybody, this is God. Let's go. See, God says that I, I want you to know me. I want you to know my voice and I'm going to help you. As you are willing to step out, I am going to encourage you. See, God takes initiative. It's him who says, let me encourage you. Let me show you. Let me show you that it's me speaking such that you'll be able to follow what I say. I told that story about this terrible situation this church found itself in, but I didn't tell you the story of what happened a year before. I was sitting in a prayer meeting in our church. And as I'm sitting there and everyone's praying around me, I hear these words in my thoughts. Three words sounded like my thought, but I knew instantly that it wasn't my thought. And you might be able to guess why. The words were till the soil. I knew it wasn't my thought because I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> what does it mean to till the soil? Now, I'm not that, not that crazy. I do know that tilling has something to do with farming. But because I know nothing more than that... <laughs> I'm sitting there in my seat and I'm flicking through my Bible trying to find out what tilling means. I think, is there something about tilling the soil in the Bible? I'm looking through the pages of my Bible and I can't find anything. What does tilling mean? Prayers are going on around me. God, what, what soil should I be tilling? Is this from you or is that just me? Time goes on. I can't work it out. So I figured, well, it must have been just the pizza I had for lunch. 
The prayer meeting finishes afterwards. We're having a cup of tea and coffee and a friend comes over to chat. He's my, his name is Noel. He's one of my leaders in our young adults ministry. He comes up and he says, oh, hi, Tanya, how are you? I said, I'm doing great. He said, funny thing happened during the prayer meeting. He, I said, what? He said, I had a funny vision of you. You were standing on the edge of a new field that hadn't been tilled yet. What does that mean? Because Noel knew a whole lot more about farming than I did. He explained that tilling is what you do before you prepare the, when you prepare the soil for planting. You dig up the soil, you take out all the rocks and all the weeds and then you plant the seed. And it was a new field, he said, one that hadn't been tilled yet. So you may have to leave. Got in contact with my senior pastor the next day, went and saw her and told her about what God had said about tilling the soil and about a new field. And she said, well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? God's calling you to prepare to plant a church. Great. That Sunday, a visiting preacher comes to our church. Before he preaches, he looks at me and he says, God's got something new for you. It's calling you to prepare until the time that God's going to shoot you out. See, God wants us to know that it's him. He wants to confirm his word. And sometimes we're fearful and sometimes we're doubt and sometimes we're just not sure. But God is able to make his word clear for those who are willing to hear it, for those who are willing to follow it. And for that next year, that's what I needed to do. I needed to prepare for planting a church. It took me a full year to get used to the idea, I can tell you that. But by the time a year later came and I had a dream one morning and in the dream God said, today's the day, this is it. The moment that you've been waiting for. I remember waking up and thinking, wow, this is it. It's awesome. I wonder what's going to happen. I go to the church office. I'm thinking, this is it. I go to my pigeonhole. Is there anything in there? Nope. I open up my emails. Anything in there? My senior pastor comes up to me at morning today. She said, Tanya, can I talk to you for a minute? Yep. She says, I've got a new opportunity for you. She begins to tell me about a church that had broken down, going through a hard time. And would I like to go in for three months to look after it? Sure. This is it. This is the, this is the dream. This is the promise. This is what God has spoken that's when she turned around and she said, look, by the way, if you're thinking this is your new church plant, she said, I wouldn't give it to my worst enemy. Okay. Hang on. Didn't God just say that? She obviously hasn't heard from God. Oh, well, she must have had a bad morning. Can't be that bad, right? God wants to speak to us and he wants to make it clear. And sometimes we look at those Old Testament characters and we think, oh, you know what? They had it easy. I mean, they wrote the Bible after all. But, you know, the Apostle Paul said that after the Holy Spirit came, that our time was better. He said that the covenant that we live under is more glorious. Do you know what that means? It's easier to hear from God now. And do you know why? Because in those old days, it was only the prophets, the special people, the chosen mouthpieces of God that got to have the Holy Spirit speaking to them. People like Moses and Abraham and Isaiah and Zephaniah and Jeremiah. 
They all ended with ire. I don't know. But they were the special people and they were the prophets. They were specially chosen to pass on God's messages. But now in this new covenant, the Spirit came on all people, sons and daughters, young and old, and we could all now prophesy. We could all now hear the words of God for ourselves. We could all have dreams and visions just like those Old Testament prophets could. And the best thing about it is now that God just doesn't speak to me, he speaks to you. So in the middle of my prayer meeting, God's speaking to me. He's saying, till the soil. And over there, he's speaking to Noel. And he's giving him the other part of the puzzle piece. And then he's speaking to the visiting preacher who confirms what he said. You see, for those who are listening, God is able to make his words clear. We don't have to work at this. It's easy. All we do is just say, God, I'm your servant. I am listening. That's all we need to do. And for all those doubts and those fears, what do we do with them? We say, God, I'm not sure. I think it's you, but I'm not sure. Could you help me? Could you show me? Could you make the way clear such that I'll be able to follow? And he speaks. But you know what? Just because it's clear doesn't mean that it's easy. Have you noticed that? The reason why it's not always easy is that a word from God, no matter how clear it is, no matter how many times it's confirmed, it will always require faith to activate it. See, God speaks to us and his words are spoken. Then it's up to us to receive them, believe them and carry them. And that takes faith. See, even though Gideon had heard clearly from God, and even though the dream of the, roll, the, the speeding bread roll was helpful, he still had to go into battle. He still had to believe it. He still had to obey it. He still had to follow it. Because if he didn't, if he just sat on his hands and said, well, if it's God, it will happen, nothing would have happened. They would have been decimated by the Midianites and it would all be over. But what does he do? He continues to listen to God. And what happens? It's a funny story. He doesn't even end up fighting. All he does is blow a few trumpets and smash a few jars and the Midianites go crazy and run away. It's awesome. It's a miracle. See, miracles happen because now God's involved. And when we hear from God, we're now partnering with him. He does his part and I do mine. I do the natural part. He does the supernatural. And then we get to see a miracle. See, this is what the God life is like. It's, it's not a normal life. You do things you wouldn't normally do. You do things that are perhaps a little illogical, that require a miracle to come to pass. You go into battle that looks like you're going to lose. You start ministries that, where you don't have enough resources. You obey him when you don't know where you're going. You trust him because of what he said and because you have the faith to believe it. We walk by faith and not by faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. When we hear God speak, we need to act on what he says. And it's going to take faith. No matter how clearly he speaks, we walk by faith and not by sight. At the end of those three months of looking after this church, I had to go back to my senior pastor and give a recommendation about what was to be done. 
My faith was doing well up until about week six or seven when I started to wake up Sunday morning and thought to myself, I don't really want to go to church. It's a bit of a problem if you're the pastor. (laughs) By the time I got to week 10, and I started to think about all the reasons why this could be difficult, because, you know, there was another problem as well. This was St Kilda, and at the time I was um, working part-time at a Bible college in Melbourne, and, you know, I read the manual about how to plant a church. We had a subject there called, you know, church planting, so I thought, oh, I'll get the manual. That was put out by our denomination. How to plant a church. Awesome. Front page. Essential things for planting a church. Money. Oh, well, I haven't got that. Strong team, gifted leadership. Oh, well, missed out on that. A pastor and his wife. Well, didn't have that. By week 12, I decided that God probably hadn't spoken after all. Probably probably just made it up, you know, because this is a difficult situation here. No one else thinks I should do this. I don't know. If I, I'm quite happy in the church where I was. You know, I really have my friends there. don't really want to leave it anyway. I'm planting a church. No one I know is planting a church. No, well, no women I know are planting churches. No single women are planting churches in St Kilda. Probably wasn't God at all. And I thought... Well, how am I going to get out of this? And then I realised that my senior pastor was, she's the one who said that she wouldn't give it to her worst enemy. Brilliant. She'll understand. So I go back on the end of my three months and I say, Melinda, I need to speak to you. She said, well, great. How'd it go? Well, you know, such a difficult situation. So much conflict and brokenness and we've no resources. And, you know, we've looked at it and just you know looking at the resources and you know from a leadership perspective i think the wisest thing would be to close it down you know we'd let you know find a way for those few people that are left behind to find another church and but i just think you know it's it's common sense that we should close it down she looks at me she said have you prayed about it (laughs) yes well, perhaps you should pray a little more. Well, what do you mean? I have I prayed about it. She said, well, the Lord spoke to me this morning. <laughs> and what did he say? She said, he told me that you're to take on the church and restart it as a new church. It takes faith to believe God's words, doesn't it? And sometimes it's hard But when God speaks, his words don't return void. They're powerful. They're designed to create. God said, let there be light. And there was. And when he speaks, he's looking for hearts that will respond. He's looking for hearts that will obey. And sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it's challenging. But that's the walk of faith. You know, as I went on and I planted that church, we began to build with what we've got. And God began to provide for us. 
And I saw him do things that I wouldn't have seen if I hadn't followed him. He provided with me church offices. He provided leaders. He provided a place for us to meet. It was awesome. And we built a great church. It's one of the most defining, most fulfilling seasons of my life. God wants to speak to us. He wants to show us things about our lives. He wants to teach us what it means to know him. But he's looking for people who will listen and do what he says. I wonder if you've heard from God. Perhaps he's spoken about your life. Perhaps he's calling you to do things. But you're sitting there and you're saying, God, I'm just not sure if it was from you. Can I encourage you this morning? God wants you to know him. He is able to make his messages clear. Two parts to Jesus' words. My people will recognize my voice and they will follow me. If I could just have the musicians up just as we close. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me. And I know there are people here that you, perhaps you're like me. Perhaps you're not sure if you've heard from God or not. We have a God who wants to encourage us. This is the God who confirmed his word for Gideon, who sent the dream to encourage him. God wants to do that for you today. He wants to encourage you. And all we need to do is just ask him. For the person who's willing to do what he says, God is able to make his voice clear. Why don't you stand with me? I want to sing that song, um, We're Walking on the Water. Shani, can we sing that um, part where we're walking on the water? <laughs> Who wants to go walk at water walking? <laughs> Do you know, Peter stepped out in the water and he was so confident and excited at first. And then when the waves hit, he started to freak out. Oh, no, I can't walk on water. Do you know, you can't walk on water. It's impossible. But with God in our lives, all things are possible. I was talking with Kerry this morning about one of the dearest members of your congregation, Yannicka, and her life and the things that she had done. And it's such a sad day when we lose someone we love. But to live a life consecrated to God, being led by His Spirit, where we do great things, Daniel says that the people of God will know him and do great exploits. That's the kind of life God offers for us when we hear his voice and we follow it. I don't know about you, but I've signed up for that. And I want to encourage you this morning as people, as a part of Upper Heart Christian Fellowship, let's be people that are prepared to follow him. Because as we follow him out into those places, He's going to show us what it is to walk on the water.
where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger. I want to finish with this part of the chorus here and I want you to sing this as a prayer if you're willing. These are surrender words. It's a beautiful song. One song of the year and it's just a beautiful tune. But those words are a commitment. And when we sing them, we're praying. We're saying, God, Spirit, lead me. Lead me out on the waters. Take me where I would never find my way normally. Empower me to do things that I would never normally do. Lead me by faith, God. Help me to live a life that brings you glory. Let's sing this part as a prayer to God. And let's see what he does in our lives. Let's sing it. promises to walk with us, to take us by the hand. You're the one who promises to speak your life, to bring resurrection power into our everyday lives. And this morning, Father, we reach out to you because we are, we are a bankrupt in spirit, but you promise to revive. You promise to bring hope. You promise to bring life. You promise to take that which is not and to make something new out of it. And we we are your children. We have been covenanted to you. And this morning we link hands afresh because you desire to speak. Our Heavenly Father wants to take us by the hand and speak fresh words of revelation into our spirit. We thank you this morning, Lord. Today, right now, you have spoken to us. And we receive that new life that you've got for us. You will enable us to stand on your promise, to know that your word is sure, to know that you're able to take us from where we are into the difficulties of life and to be overcomers. Today, we surrender to you. We thank you that you took the initiative. We thank you that you didn't leave it to our own, our own abilities. Because you saw that we couldn't even pull ourselves up by our own bootlaces. But Lord, today, we say thank you that you speak. And today, Lord, we say we're listening. Our hearts are open. 
We want to receive. We want to be obedient. As you call, as you speak, as you release your life into us, Lord, we want to do that for which you've called us to accomplish. Even in this body of people here today, you're calling individuals to take some difficult steps to resolve in their own hearts that you have spoken and that they will be obedient. And even as we commit ourselves to one another, we realize that's a challenge in itself that you have called us to be part of. So Father, we surrender again today. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives and in our midst and through us. We thank you for revealing more of your nature, more of your purpose, more of your plans. We rejoice in that. We glory in what you're doing. And we want to be participators in your promises. In Jesus' precious name and for your glory, people of God say amen. Tanya, thank you for reminding us again today that God does indeed speak. Bless you for what you've brought. Hallelujah. Take that today and take it with you as you go into this coming week and prove God that His Word is true. Be deliberate. Be decisive. He does what He does, but He requires us to do what we need to do. We've got something out in the cafe today. There's things along happening on the week. Allow God to continue to talk, speak, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. It's been a good day.